Hello, dear listener. Welcome to Cinematic Ventures Podcast. It's Gabriel here, and this is a little Christmas episode that I really wanted to to make for you. And uh, it would be a bit shorter. It's just I wanted to use the opportunity to wish you guys happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and obviously we have 2024 coming up. Hard to believe, right? How quickly time flies. It's uh, it's it's almost unbelievable. You you kind of see a lot of um, responses from people, reactions going like, "Oh my God, I still think it's 2019. How did that happen? It's 2024. My God, time indeed flies." And because this is a movie themed focused podcast, uh, I want to use the opportunity to talk a little bit about just a few movies that. I pretty much watch every single Christmas season, holiday season. It's just, um, it's not a huge list. Honestly, it's like four movies. And I know, I know there's so many other uh, amazing Christmas movies, but everyone is making lists nowadays. I'm sure you've probably seen in the last 24 hours, you've probably seen 10 different lists of Christmas movies. It's been done and it will be done like multiple times and there's nothing wrong with that as far as i'm concerned this is the best time of the year i love christmas it's just an amazing cozy feeling christmas music christmas decoration christmas tree presents i just love it and uh i just wanted to mention a couple of movies that every time every single time that i play around christmas they put me right in the mood and I want to start right away right I don't want to keep uh, deflecting Uh, I want to start with the first one and these are movies that we all know very well probably there's only one of those four movies that I will mention that it's not like um, uber popular among uh, among people but it's still a very very atmospheric very fun movie and it's more of a like a winter movie but you'll see when we get there so you're probably wondering uh, i want to start first with uh, why four movies well the thing is i was thinking of making the usual right i'm sure you guys know uh every website every every other podcast like top 10 christmas movies or top 10 or top 20 christmas movies and it's pretty much all the same right and i just wanted to focus on really movies that because we can't really watch 100 movies every Christmas I mean I wish I could I just don't have the time that's why for me it's more or less I would say those four movies that I will mention now and enough wasting of the time the first one that I'm going to mention uh, on my list and this is no in no particular order this is not like this is my favorite or least favorite or no I love those equally. They're amazing, and I can watch them day in and out. It's just amazing. The Polar Express is the first one. I'm sure, I'm sure most people know the movie. You've probably seen it. If you're a fan, you've probably seen it multiple times. I've personally seen it over, I don't know, 50 times or something. An incredible, incredible holiday Christmas movie that... Especially thanks to the, I would say, number one, the animation. Now, people made a lot of complaints. I'm aware of it, of uh, 
uh, of the eyes, how the motion capture technology looks kind of weird, the dead eyes and all of that. I've heard it. Uh, we've all heard the criticism. I get it. Uh, I'm sure it distracts some people, but honestly, it was never, never an issue for me. It was just part of the of the whole world that uh, Robert Zemeckis created. And it's an incredible world. It's an incredible world. And I'm glad that when it came out, the movie, it was a success, but it was, as unfortunately we often do as a society, we're always, when there's something new, like when there were choices being made or new technology or whatever, we're very cynical, very critical, very unforgiving. But thankfully, with the Polar Express, movie came out in 2004, and ever since then, it kind of grew in terms of popularity, and it's now like staple of Christmas. It's uh, just the other day, I was um, reading an interview with Alan Silvestri, who I'm sure if you're a fan of movies, you know that name, one of the most prolific, successful, amazing composers. He created like some of the most iconic scores that we all love, uh, starting with Back to the Future. But his music for the Polar Express, it's honestly probably in the top three favorite Christmas music for me personally. I have the soundtrack uh, and it's just magic. That's really the best way to describe it. Yeah, this is something, there are certain things that we can't explain with words. So definitely go for it and check the Polar Express uh, soundtrack. But uh, back to Alan Silvestri and what he said. He said himself that in the last few years, more and more people, when they talk to him, they share how much they love the Polar Express and how important that movie is for families. Families are watching it like a movie night on Christmas Eve or the days before or during Christmas or even after Christmas. Hell, I've heard people watching the movie in the middle of summer. <laughs> Not exactly the uh, the Christmas season, but it's it's that much of a magical movie. And if you haven't seen that movie, and I'm sure there are people who haven't seen it, and if by any chance you're listening to the podcast of this episode now, go ahead, find it. It is streaming. I'm not sure where it was. Was it Amazon Prime, Prime Video? I'm not sure. I don't think it's on Netflix currently. I hope they include it because it's 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 a, it's a masterclass. It's a masterpiece. And uh, again, as far as I'm concerned, this is the opinion of Gabriel from Cinematic Ventures. I always say that if there are people who don't like it, it it's fair enough. I'm sure you have good reasons, right? But this is definitely, I would say, the number one movie that I play when Christmas comes in or the days before Christmas or e even as a background noise, as you, as you call it, when I'm uh, putting together the Christmas tree. It's, uh, it's that important for me and I believe it'll continue to be. It'll continue to be an important part of my Christmas celebration and Christmas preparation. So yes, Polar Express, ladies and gentlemen. Number two on my list, it is a movie that I think um, I think people will talk about for centuries. I don't think it'll ever go away. And it is Home Alone, but not Home Alone 1. You're probably thinking, oh yeah, Home Alone 1, right? No, in my case, it is, and as much as I love Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York is my go-to Home Alone movie. 
yes, we all know the first one and we, we should always uh, respect the original. It started everything. It's a movie that's just internationally, globally, it's, there, there's no uh, generation here. It's not generational. It, it, it crosses generations. It's that of an important movie. It's like in any country that you go, it's Home Alone. People know Home Alone. I know children who were eight years old living in Asia and just by their parents, when I have conversations with them, these children who were born in 2013 or 2014, they know Home Alone. They love Home Alone. And obviously, whatever I say about the movie, it's already been said billions of times, so I'm not going to repeat anything that you've already heard. But I'm just glad that there is there's a movie that has this power over people. There are very few movies like that. Yes, maybe it's a very specific movie, very specific for Christmas season. But every year, nonstop, ever since the first movie came out, people are watching Home Alone. And I also watch Home Alone 1, 2. I also love, really love 3. Uh, I really, really like it. Yes, it's not Macaulay. I get it. But uh, I have a soft spot for Home Alone 3. Uh, I especially like it because Nick Glennie Smith, which is a composer that I really love, He's amazing. He did The Rock, which is an iconic score, as we all know. He did the score for Home Alone 3. And there's some very, very cool scenes in that movie. But going back to my favorite one, which is Home Alone 2, which if we consider, because technically Polar Express is not really live action. It's computer animation. Stop, uh, it's it's uh, motion capture. Pro Home Alone is... Probably, not even probably, I would say, it, it is my favorite live-action Christmas movie. Now, many reasons for that. I think the main one would be they're clearly going bigger, as much as I love the first one. It is pretty much focused on the house, and obviously that's how it should be. It's the first movie, no one knew what to expect, so they're not going to go way too big with it. But with the second one, and I think the choice of choosing New York, and we all know how New York looks and feels around Christmas. It's magical. I would say there, there are only two cities in the world that are just perfect for Christmas, like it, amazing. And it's London and New York City. And New York feels magical in, uh, in Home Alone 2. And yeah, maybe in the early 90s, it was not... Not as pleasant as it could be, let's put it that way. There was, uh, uh, there was some rough neighborhoods and stuff like that, but, and they kind of, they kind of show that in a, in a few scenes, uh, and then the, and basically at the end of the movie, Home Alone 2, but the atmosphere of New York, the festive atmosphere, the, the toy store, Duncan's toy store, it is, it puts you right in the mood. For, for Christmas. I, I, I honestly can't think of a better uh, better place, better story, better character than Kevin uh, to put you in the right Christmas mood. It's it's really fun. They're, they've expanded the cast. You have Tim Curry, Rob Schneider, like an amazing, amazing cast of comedians and just funny, funny faces. And uh, yes, it's, uh, <laughs> it's maybe I wish there was a little bit more from uh, Stern and Pesci 
as the wet bandits or the sticky bandits in this case. I don't know why. I feel like I, I could have watched like a two and a half hour movie with them. It's just, it's fun. And uh, yeah, that would be my only, <laughs> weirdly enough, my only complaint is that it's not longer. This is this is the type of movie, I love it so much that this is the type of movie that if there's a three-hour director's cut version, I would be happy to watch it multiple times. So uh, I don't know. If Chris Columbus has something up in his sleeve, absolutely go for it. Release a director's cut or something or an extended cut. I would love that. I would love that. Um, Home Alone 2, I can I can talk about it for hours. I love that movie so much. And uh, I also think another thing that I think it has a little bit more than the first one, there's a little bit more heart to it, the ending sequence. I love Catherine O'Hara in the movie. Uh, I like her more than I did the first one. I'm, uh, and she's great. She's great no matter what. Like, there's no question. But uh, I just, I just, there was a little bit more of everything, but just enough, not too much. It was not overwhelming. So I think it was great. And uh, I know the reception when the movie came out, as it always or most of the time happens with a sequel of an incredibly popular and successful movie. There will be detractors. I'm sure if it was uh, released uh, today, it would have been the same. There will always be detractors just because. It's a sequel, and that's the thing that I'm going to analyze and discuss in a future episode about why are we so cynical about sequels. And it's a, it's a legitimate question. There are a lot of sequels that people really love, and people would say it's their favorite movie, but it has that stigma already just because it's a sequel. And certainly Home Alone uh, uh, was also a victim of that in terms of critical reception and some audience members. But kind of like the Polar Express, the movie really exploded in, in the later years. I don't know, is it because uh, there were other Home Alone movies that were not as popular as the first two and people were kind of uh, missing and feeling nostalgic about Macaulay Culkin? And uh, a lot of the iconic scenes and iconic lines and moments if you look back on the coverage of the home alone movie specifically with macaulay culkin they're actually coming from the sequel those moments and scenes so slowly but surely home alone 2 kind of uh, created more of a positive i guess reflection you can call it, if you can call it that way People are looking back more fondly on the movie. And at this point, I would say in a lot of circles, I would when I talk to people about Christmas movies, a lot of them would say Home Alone 2. Uh, obviously, we all love uh, Home Alone 1, definitely. But I'm glad that Home Alone 2 is now also very highly regarded. And it's, it's, it's just like Polar Express is a staple of Christmas. And that ending uh, with uh, with the Rockefeller Center and the uh, the Christmas tree there, it's just iconic. It's just the ultimate Christmas feeling. It puts you right into it, and you just can't top it. You just can't top it. So definitely, guys, if there is, uh, just like with Polar Express, if there is a person listening to this by any chance, you've never seen Home Alone 2, or you've seen it many, many years ago, and maybe you were not that impressed, as I always say, my regular advice to people, give it a shot. Watch it. We change throughout the years. And 
maybe you will be more, I guess, excited watching it. So you never know. Definitely give it a shot, though. So Home Alone 2 is the second on the list. The next one on my list of movies, I would say, is, coincidence or not, it is another Zemeckis movie. And it is A Christmas Carol from 2009. The Robert Zemeckis motion capture version with Jim Carrey, Gary Oldman, Colin Firth, an incredible cast. You just have to check it out. You just go on Wikipedia or IMDb and just check the cast. It's it's just amazing, really amazing. And uh, yeah, coincidence or not, and this is not because I love uh, motion capture. No, no, it's just, it's pure coincidence. It's just so happened that as far as I'm concerned, Zemeckis created two of the most atmospheric, iconic, and powerful Christmas movies. And I think with Polar Express, it was kind of just the beginning, and he really expanded everything. He really, uh, I think it was a much bigger budget also for A Christmas Carol. And uh, that movie came out about five years after the release of, uh, of the Polar Express. So clearly technology was much more advanced. It actually came out the same year Avatar came out. And uh, yes, we all know Christmas Carol. We, we've seen so many other versions of it. I love all of them. And um, I'm sure people have said so many things. So I'm not going to go uh, like in every single little, little detail. But uh, what I really love about that movie is unlike the Polar Express, which is doesn't really have any like scary scenes. And then there's like a... Uh, there's like something that would make you feel a bit better, like a scene that makes you feel a little bit better. Uh, if you know the story of the Christmas Carol, there are some, some scary, tough moments for the main character. Let's put it that way. I don't want to spoil anything uh, in case there's someone out there who still hasn't seen uh, Christmas Carol. But the, uh, the, the character goes through a lot of emotions. And uh, again, I would say the main thing, the main thing, I'm not taking anything away from the actors. Alan Silvestri did the score again. Absolutely magnificent work. Uh, for me, it's just the animation, the cinematography, the fact that the camera, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Robert Presley uh, did the camera work. He was the DP on, he was the DP of Polar Express, and he also did the camera work, cinematography on uh, A Christmas Carol. The camera takes its time. I really love that. So you really get to experience every, every little detail of the animation, every little Christmas decoration, uh, the little streets of London. And I, I especially love that moment where... Gary Oldman's character, uh, after he leaves uh, Scrooge behind, he just smiles and it starts sliding down uh, the street with the children. And you have the music, you have the, his incredible happiness. And the fact that uh, I think also the message of the movie really uh, resonates with me. It's specifically with the Gary Oldman character. Uh, clearly a character that goes through a lot. I don't want to spoil anything, but... There are a lot of moments where he feels miserable, uh, not to mention how he's treated by his boss. But then he turns and the Christmas spirit, the Christmas atmosphere of everything surrounding him outside of his work just makes him smile. And he's just genuinely excited, especially in that moment when he's sliding down the street and just laughing with the children and says, Merry Christmas. 
it's something that it really sends a message and it makes you realize life is difficult for all of us in one way or another. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter where you live, how many cars you have, how much money you have in the bank. It doesn't matter. Life could be very difficult, but there are moments, there are certain celebrations, holidays that really can, can put a little smile on your face and make you realize that, hey, life is not that bad. There are some good things happening and I should acknowledge that. I should appreciate that. And that's one of the messages that the movie clearly sends. And um, I'm all for that. I'm really all for that. And it, it really uh, reflected on me and my own experiences. So that's one of the main reasons why I love the movie so much. It's the message that no matter what happens, there are a lot of positive things in our world and we should appreciate them. So obviously the main character goes through a lot. The animation is incredible. The message is incredible. It is a little bit nostalgic, a little bit sad. There's this um, feeling of sadness throughout the movie, right? Maybe because in a way he wasted his entire life of being the grumpy guy. And he kind of realizes that too much time already passed. But still, at the end of the movie, it's not like a depressing ending. And there is something that we all learn. So I would say in terms of just pure celebration of Christmas and the Christmas spirit. And a, more of a like a, like a childlike uh, experience. I would say the Polar Express is better, but... For more, I would say, mature audiences and maybe in uh, the kids that grew up eventually, we all grow up. I think uh, Christmas Carol is uh, the right fit. They both are amazing. Uh, it, it's a great, if you're doing a marathon of Christmas movies, just do The Polar Express followed immediately by A Christmas Carol. Both, again, by Zemeckis. I think you're going to have a great time. So uh, this is number three on my list. The Christmas Carol. Uh, oh yeah, and uh, I, I just want to mention Jim Carrey is incredible in, uh, in the performance. Yes, it's a performance capture, motion capture, but you can still see it's Jim Carrey and the mannerisms, the face movement, it's just he, he gave it all and uh, I thank him for that. I'm th I thank him for, uh, for his hard work on this one. Much appreciated. And here we are at number four. And in this case, it is a movie that not as popular as the ones that I already mentioned. But it's a movie that uh, it has its fans, certainly, but I think it could be way more popular. And if I can help it, I would, I would continue to push it when it comes to Christmas movies. It is Snow Day from 2000. It is actually... Uh, a Nickelodeon picture in uh, cooperation with Paramount Pictures. It is directed by Chris Cock. It's uh, it's actually quite a good cast of characters. Uh, you have Josh Peck, Emmanuel Schricke, and Gene Smart, Chevy Chase, and Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott is quite funny in that movie. So Snow Day, it's a movie that it kind of went under the radar when it first came out in 2000. Thing is, if you look at the box office, the movie was actually successful. The movie was a hit. It's not a flop. Uh, like some other uh, examples of, of movies being um, rediscovered again. This was an actual success. But still, 
it did not get, uh, I guess, appreciated enough uh, in its time. And it's not necessarily a Christmas movie, like exactly about the celebration. It's more like uh, the season of winter, but you can definitely feel it. Just when you watch a few frames of that movie, you're like, oh yeah, this is, puts me right in the Christmas, uh, Christmas spirit, in Christmas mode, Christmas vibes. So uh, again, it's not like the Polar Express where you have the sounds, the incredible Christmas music, like everything is strictly focused on Christmas. But it's such a fun winter themed movie that maybe it's just me. Maybe uh, you'll let me know, guys. If you've seen the movie, let me know how you feel if you kind of accept it as a Christmas movie, even though it's not explicitly a Christmas movie. But in a way, for me, is. Kind of like Die Hard of this huge debate. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Well, what's the definition of a Christmas movie? Is it about Christmas, right? Things are, that are happening specifically for Christmas, characters that are referencing Christmas and all of that. If that's the case, not really a Christmas movie, but it takes place during Christmas, clearly, right? So a lot of people are connected with that. So for them, it is a Christmas movie, and it's absolutely okay. So I don't really see an argument. I don't see the point of this. In a way, it's, it's the same for me with Snow Day, right? Not explicitly a Christmas movie like the ones that I already mentioned, like with such a huge Christmas atmosphere, and it's like um, you are absolutely surrounded by uh, by Christmas-themed um, discussions, characters reflecting on Christmas. No, not at all. But it's still a very atmospheric, in a positive way, movie. Very fun. And actually, the way it's been shot, I was really surprised. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't really own the DVD or the Blu-ray, so I don't know if there's a making of or audio commentary, but... It looks really good. As a winter movie, it looks so good. It's uh, it's basically about a snow day, right? Uh, about a couple of kids who are fighting against a snowplower guy, actually, and played by Chris Elliott. And it's like this war between the kids and that guy. And it's like the whole neighborhood, the whole city is covered in deep snow, like out of the blue. No one expected it. That's kind of the, the surprise uh, in the movie. And a lot of adventures happen uh, in that big snow. So, uh, again, not exactly the Christmas movie that you would expect, that you would see in, uh, in like Christmas list. But for some weird reason, I don't know. Maybe I've seen it way too many times on Christmas Day or whatever. It's just a Christmas movie for me. I just consider it that way. Technically, I could be wrong, but again... That's just my feeling, and I will always include it on the list. And it's the type of movie that uh, I will always, quote-unquote, promote because I just think it deserves more uh, appreciation, more more discussion, and I think more people should see it. So I, I believe it's uh, you can stream it on Paramount+. Plus and uh, I think the DVD is kind of discontinued at this point, out of print. Like, it's a very difficult movie to find. Uh, for one reason or another. I think you can find it on, on eBay, but it would be quite expensive. But definitely a movie that's worth it and definitely a movie that puts me right in uh, the correct mood for Christmas. So uh, I don't really, I don't want to reveal reveal too much. Uh, I can talk about a lot of scenes that really make me make uh, made me laugh, continue to make me laugh. But 
I want you guys to be able to experience it yourself. So if you're listening and you've never seen Snow Day, track it down. I'm sure you're going to be able to find it. Just relax. If it's snowing out there and you're watching that movie, my God, it couldn't be a, it couldn't be a perfect uh, combination. So uh, that's what I wanted to do with this episode just to share a couple of the movies that put me in the Christmas mood. And uh, I hope, I'm sure you guys have your own lists. Uh, probably you have some of the movies that I already mentioned, but whatever the movies are, whatever works for you, Die Hard, even Die Hard 3 in a way, it's, takes, place, it takes place during Christmas. So that's, here's the trivia for you. So yeah, a lot of people forget that, but yeah, Die Hard 3. Um, whatever the movie that works for you, whatever Christmas movie works for you, pop it in watch it. Uh, we are growing up, doesn't matter if you're 15 or 55, we're growing up and unfortunately a lot of people would say that as we grow older we kind of don't feel the Christmas spirit as we used to feel it when we were children, which it kind of makes sense, right? We used to get presents, presents, a lot of presents under the Christmas tree when we were kids and when we grow up this doesn't really happen. And uh, a lot of people lose the, the connection with Christmas. And it kind of makes me sad because for me, I will continue to cherish Christmas will always be the best time of the year for me. Even when I myself were feeling like, oh my God, like I don't feel the same way that I used to feel when I was, uh, when I was 12 or, or 11. And again, it makes sense. We grow up, life changes. We, we get, mm, uh, we become adults. We start to worry about so many other things and it's totally understandable. But at the same time, I always believe that we need to spend a little bit of time appreciating Christmas and just to sit down after work. If you're a hardworking person, just sit down after work, glass of wine or juice or whatever, whatever fancies whatever you fancy, just sit next to the Christmas tree and just reminisce. Just look back, spend some time with yourself, with your own thoughts, play some Christmas music. And I believe you're going to, you're going to remember why Christmas is so special and continues to be special for, uh, for people of all ages. So yes, the world is cynical. The, the world is, is bad and we're surrounded by a lot of bad news, but there's still a lot of good things happening and uh, Christmas is definitely one of those things. So make sure to appreciate it. Make sure to enjoy it. As I'm recording this, it's just a few days left actually until Christmas Eve. So uh, I hope you have a good one. I hope you, you are with your family, the loved ones. I hope there are a lot of smiles, a lot of Christmas cheer and uh, a lot of gifts, no matter how old we get. We can always get a gift and we can always appreciate a gift. So thank you for listening. This was uh, the episode, my Christmas episode, I guess. And um, if you haven't seen any of the movies that I mentioned, there's still time until Christmas. Definitely check them out and uh, let me know how you feel. Just uh, give me the feedback. And uh, yeah, I appreciate your time as always. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to my blabbing. <laughs> We will be back. Uh, I will probably do end of the year podcast, uh, maybe about what to expect next year or what is my impression of the of the year that that's uh, that that is passing right now, 2023. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. But I'm try to I'll try to surprise you with something uh, something interesting. 
Thank you again. Have a great one. Enjoy Christmas. Stay safe. Be with your family and friends. And we will be back with another episode very soon. Signing off, Gabriel. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.